0: Lord, for thy grace, that we thy place may
1: be. Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts, and we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY, that's eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. 543 3788 Now let's join today's program. Six parables that unlock the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens are presented by the Lord Jesus himself in Matthew 13. Four of these parables depict the visible, outward appearance of God's kingdom today. But the last two are much more hidden, even difficult to see. But it is these two that we should focus on most closely, because these two are parables of God's overcoming believers a treasure hidden in a field, a pearl of immense value. Stay with us today as Bob Danker has joined us once again. Bob, welcome back to the broadcast. Another look into Matthew 13.
0: Chris, it's a pleasure to be with you again. I really feel in this broadcast we will touch something that is deep in the Lord's heart.
1: Right. The parables here in Matthew 13 that we've been looking at, uh, I think it's fair to say they're very important to us because they cover prophetically, the entire period of time between Christ's first coming and his second coming. How does a good, even proper understanding of history, Bob, help us to realize the practical interpretation of these parables? Well, Chris, we need to realize that many
0: times when the Lord uh, speaks in his word, uh, there is a not only a spiritual interpretation, but there is also a practical interpretation in the context of history, if you take the uh, the vision in Daniel chapter 2 of the great human image, which had the head of gold and the, uh, the breasts of silver and the abdomen of bronze and the legs of iron and so forth, here you have a vision that was seen by King Nebuchadnezzar. And in order to understand this vision, we need to see it in the context of history. Only by knowing history can we know that the head of gold refers to Nebuchadnezzar. The breasts of silver refer to the Medo-Persian Empire, and the uh, abdomen of bronze represents uh, Alexander the Great. Right. And the legs of iron represent the Roman Empire. And then we have the ten toes, which represent the the last state of the Roman Empire, with uh, in the ten kings at the end, uh, you know, related to Antichrist. So, by knowing history, we can understand the real practical meaning of these parables and apply them to our life.
1: Particularly these first four do show us quite accurately the appearance outwardly of God's kingdom and it's signified by a kingdom that contains both genuine wheat and false tares and a kingdom that though it was planted as a small mustard herb grew into a great uh, unnatural imposing tree And finally, the measure of fine flour that has been leavened, an added element of worldly things that has really corrupted uh, God's pure kingdom today. But these next two parables of the treasure and the pearl are what we want to focus on today. And these appear in verses 44, 45, and 46 of chapter 13. The kingdom of heavens is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid, and in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of the heavens is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. We're going to revisit these last two parables, Bob. Very critical for us today in the New Testament dispensation. Let's go to Witness Lee.
2: Chapter 13 of this book is on the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens. And in principle, we all have to believe that These mysteries in parables should cover the span of the Christian history. To interpret all these parables, you must take care of the history during the period between the Lord's coming the first time and his coming the second time. Otherwise, whatever you would say, it might be just a kind of a imagination, not practical. In Matthew 13, there are firstly four parables showing us the general situation of Christendom. You have the wheat, signifying the real believers, and you have the tares, symbolizing. They are uh, false ones, and then you have the big tree signifying Christendom with such a big organization, just like a big lodging tree. Then you have the leaven, the leaven signifies all the evil things, all the dark doctrines. You have also the meal, the fine flour that signifies Christ as the food both to God and to his people. But when you come to the second group of these two parables, of the treasure hidden in the field and the pearl coming out of the sea, when you come to this group of these two parables, you got a problem. What are these? Now we must go to history. What are the points in history which can be considered as fulfillment to these two parables, the treasure and the pearl. What are the facts from the history? Through the centuries, some overcomers, they were not only merely the real believers, wheat. They were overcomers. More solid, more genuine, more precious, more valuable, In the eyes of God, these are the overcomers. And these overcomers, in the eyes of God, are likened to the treasure, hidden in the field, and the pearl. From the first century down to present time, among so many real Christians, sub, not a big number, but a small number, they are more solid. Like transformed precious stone hid underneath the field. In history, you can find such a thing.
1: Bob, once we have seen how to interpret the first four parables in the light of history, it's somewhat easy to look at today's Christendom and see the wheat, the tares, the big imposing tree with the birds lodging, and even the leaven that's been added to the fine flour. But this fifth and sixth parable, the parables of the treasure and the pearl of great worth, are somewhat more hidden and difficult for us to see. Who or what are represented historically by these two parables?
0: In John 3, verse 5, the Lord told Nicodemus, Unless a man is born anew or born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So the entrance into God's kingdom is by the new birth by being regenerated. Regeneration is the entrance. And all those who have uh, been truly regenerated by believing in Christ, they have had an entrance into God's kingdom. And they're represented by the wheat. And we've seen, of course, that Satan, in his subtlety, in his desire and attempt to frustrate God, has come in and has sown many, many false ones among the true ones. This... Uh, was done by him in order to frustrate the growth of these genuine believers. So as we have also seen in, in previous broadcasts, God's goal is not just to have a field full of wheat. God's goal is to have a solid building. And what are the materials for that building? As we have seen even in past broadcasts, and we'll see in this broadcast, the materials for God's building are not soft things like wheat and flour you know as we have in the first four parables right. the materials for God's building are solid materials solid things like gold a pearl and precious stones these are the materials for God's building so God's desire for all his believers who have been born of him and have his life within them is that they would love the Lord, they would pursue the Lord, they would give up the world, they would be willing to lose their natural, soulish life, and they would be willing to cooperate with God so that Christ can grow within them to maturity. And according to the revelation of the Bible, this growth of Christ in us produces a kind of a transformation. It transforms us from Uh, something natural to something solid, like gold, pearl, and precious stones. And this is what God needs. But Satan has done a good job to try to frustrate God from gaining what he desires. And yet there are some of those who have been genuinely reborn, who really love the Lord, and who— understand his desire and know what he wants and what he needs and have really given themselves to the Lord so that the Lord can be satisfied and gain what he wants. So these are the ones, these are the overcoming believers who grow in the divine life, who are transformed into the materials for God's building, which are indicated in the last two parables in Matthew chapter 13. That's why these parables are so significant. Here we have a treasure that's hidden in a field, something quite small and something hidden. And we have a precious pearl, seemingly not so great like a big tree, uh, but something precious. These are the things that can fulfill God's heart's desire, and these are the materials that will give him the building that he needs. And these uh, parables then, they refer to the overcomers among God's people who are one with him So that he can gain what he desires.
1: So through history, of course, there has been a remnant, even though a small number, of ones that fit into this category that have given themselves to become the treasure, to become the pearl. But it's critical to see, actually, there's a call today uh, that shows up again in the book of Revelation where these materials are brought forth once again. He's still desiring all of us, to come in and experience the reality of this transforming work that we would all be in these categories. That's what we want to look at in our next section today. So let's go back to Witness Lee.
2: There's always a number of saints. They love the Lord. They give up the world. They do not live by themselves. Even they have had a lot of failures, but yet yeah, still they lack to live in the spirit. They like to spend time in the presence of the Lord. They like to stick themselves all the time to the Lord's will. They like to be one, not doctrinally, but practically with the Lord. Who are these? Are these just a wheat with a big quantity, a bulky size? No, these are not wheat. In a bulky size, these are the transformed precious treasure in a much, much smaller quantity. Much, much smaller size, yet not so exposed, but hidden under the earth. Not many people could see them, but only the Lord can see through the earth, and the Lord has got them. There is such a category in history. To illustrate the real believers, the Lord used wheat growing up of the seed. The seed sown in the field and it grows up to be the wheat. This is used by the Lord to illustrate the uh, real believers in a common way. But the Lord used another illustration to describe how the overcomers could be. When we get to the end of the Bible, look at the New Jerusalem. We all know the principle is, the New Jerusalem is the ultimate consummation of the church life, including the kingdom life. In the New Jerusalem, you can see, the building is mainly of two things. The pearl as the gate, and the precious stone as the wall. The treasure refers to the kingdom, and the pearl refers to the church. This is prophesied in a mysterious way by parables. But when it comes to chapter 16, it is prophesied to the disciples in plain words. The Lord said, I will build my church Amen. upon this rock. And then in the following verse, the Lord says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. There you do have these two things, the church and the kingdom.
1: Well, Bob, as we said, these two parables are much more hidden. But it's interesting that the materials referred to here, namely the precious stones and the pearls, show up again at the end of the Bible. How does Revelation, Bob, confirm this interpretation of the parables of the treasure in the field and the pearl of great worth?
0: Well, as you mentioned, Chris, in the book of Revelation, the very conclusion of the Bible, there is a city called the New Jerusalem. And this city, the New Jerusalem, is actually constructed of the very materials that appear in the two parables at the end of Matthew 13. Uh, So this is a strong connection between these parables here in Matthew 13 and the very end of the Bible, the New Jerusalem, which is God's eternal goal. God's eternal goal is to have a city constructed of these materials. It's one thing to be wheat, to be a believer in a general sense. In today's Christianity, there are millions of genuine believers who are real wheat. They have been regenerated. But it's another thing to be transformed by the very life that regenerated us, by the growth of that life, to be transformed into these solid materials that can be used by God to build up his eternal dwelling place, the new Jerusalem. So we have to realize that just to be born again, to become a wheat in the kingdom, is not adequate. It's only the beginning. We have to go on with the Lord to experience him as our life day by day. We need to learn how to reject our natural human life and live by this divine life that we have received so that this life can grow in us and transform us. And as we're being transformed by this life, we are also being built together with one another, with other transformed believers. And the ultimate consummation of this will be the new Jerusalem. Ultimately, all those believers who have genuinely been regenerated will be transformed. They will be a part of the new Jerusalem. But today, what the Lord needs is a small number of his genuine believers who will pay the price to be one with him and to be the overcomers, who will uh, be transformed in this age and built up together in this age to fulfill the Lord's word in Matthew 16. I will build my church. The Lord needs such believers to build up his church today.
1: Well, Bob, we're going to see that this reality that uh, we're talking about not only is referred to at the end of the Bible in Revelation, but previously we covered some verses in Matthew 7 that are very applicable. Let's look at those as a review before we go to witness Lee for our final section today. This is Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Enter in through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter through it. Because narrow is the gate and constricted is the way, That leads to life, and few are those who find it. Let's go back to Witness Lee.
2: According to Revelation, the pearl is the gate, and the treasure is the wall. You look at the picture. How we entered into this realm by being regenerated. By being born again, we entered into the kingdom of God. John 3, 5. So, regeneration is our entry, is the beginning. By being reborn, we got into the sphere of God. We got into the kingdom realm. Then, from that time onward, by His mercy and grace, we began... To love him. By loving him, we lacked, and we still lack, to be under his control. This is just the kingdom of life. This fits in the last section of the heavenly constitution, which says, enter through narrow gate, and take the constricted way. Because this way leads to life. If you enter through the wide gate and take the broad way that way leads you to destruction you read first Corinthians chapter 3 Paul says we are now building upon the foundation of Christ but we be careful about our building about the material do we build with Gold, silver, precious stone are with wood, hay, stubble. If we build with gold, silver, and precious stone, these materials can stand the fire test. When the fire comes, the fire burns, and these precious things can stand the burning. But if our work is wood, hay, stubble, surely this will be just the good fuel to feed the fire. It will all be consumed. Dear ones, let us be comforted and strengthened that we would be more than willing to remain in this constricted way. This is the treasure. This is precious. This is valuable. This is lovely in the eyes of the Lord. He sacrificed everything he had on the cross just for this. He bowed the pearl, and he bought the field that hides the treasure, because he is for this. Today, he's still for this.
1: Well, Bob, we have the verses in Matthew 7 about entering through the narrow gate, and then also we have Paul's word that he referred to here in 1 Corinthians 3 about taking great care regarding the materials with which we build. Practically, how do all of these sections apply to us as it relates to our own participation in the kingdom and in the New Jerusalem?
0: Well, Chris, we we need to be impressed with the Lord's word that after we enter through the narrow gate, we need to walk on the constricted way. After we receive Christ as our life through regeneration, then we need to live by the life that we have received. In other words, we need to be to live in the kingdom We need to live by the divine life, not by our natural human life. Actually, if we live by our natural human life and we work for the Lord by that life, we will, in fact, be building with wood, with grass, and with stubble, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3. But if we live by the divine life and we allow this life to grow in us and transform us into precious materials, then we will build the church and the new Jerusalem, with gold, pearls, and precious stones. Then our work will pass the test of the judging fire when the Lord comes back. The Lord says clearly that he will try and test every man's work to see what kind of work it is. If it is worthless, it will be consumed. And we, as the builders, we will suffer some kind of loss. But if it is worthy, if it is the work of building with gold, pearls, and precious stones, then it will pass on into the new Jerusalem. It will become a part of the new Jerusalem, and we, the builders, will receive a reward. So in the kingdom, we have to realize we're not free to to do what we want to do, to conduct ourselves in a loose way. We must be regulated and restricted by the divine life that we have received our regeneration. Hmm.
1: Bob, I wish we had more time for such a topic. Uh, we're about out of time on Matthew 13. Now we're going to go forward. These matters are going to come up again. We'll see another aspect as we get on to the later chapters in Matthew, particularly chapters 24 and 25. Um, let's recommend the life study message for our listeners, Bob, uh, to fill in the gaps and the details that we were unable to get to today. Quickly, as we're out of time, let me give you the toll free number and invite you to call us for that material. It is 1888 Life Study. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California 92814. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you for listening. at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.